This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey everybody, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 106, for Monday, March the 4th, 2013. We're doing it a little differently this week. Jason is uh, not feeling well, so he's at home instead of sitting across the desk from me. But uh, you're here, which is the most important thing. I'm across the virtual desk. Uh, The virtual desk. I mean, yes, you're able to record. You're not here. I'm telecommuting today. (laughs) You're telecommuting to a podcast. Yeah. That's not so bad. Hopefully it sounds okay. We generally like to record while sitting facing each other in the same room because it's just easier and better that way. Um, But sometimes things don't work out. Sometimes. So I'm going to start the show this week with an email. An email. Which is unusual. It is. Uh, this comes from a listener in Stockholm whose name is Mai or me or May. I apologize. I'm not uh, familiar with uh, the pronunciation of this Swedish name. It's spelled M-Y-Y. Right. Uh, and I, I asked a Swedish friend of mine, I emailed a Swedish friend of mine to find out the correct pronunciation and never heard back from him. So uh, You have a Swedish friend? Well, I have a friend who married a Swedish lady. And he's uh, now learning Swedish and spends a lot of time over in Stockholm. So That sounds like, oh, I, I know who that is. Now. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. But didn't hear back from him, though. So he's clearly maybe, I don't know, busy doing other things or doesn't care. Yeah, right. Anyways, uh, so I apologize for the poor pronunciation of your name. But um, this is what the listener said. You mentioned birthdays some episodes ago, and I'm pretty sure today is Jason's birthday. So a very happy birthday, and thank you both for making my workday more fun. Now, that email came in last week, because last week when we recorded, it was almost your birthday. Almost. It was almost right on, and I neglected to mention it. Oh, well. So what are you going to do? But it takes one of our listeners to remind me. So uh, happy birthday a week late, Mr. Miles. Thank you. Thank you. And um, you should be excited that even our listeners, they're so great, they even remember (laughs) your birthday. Yep, fantastic. It's really quite something. Yeah. So there you go. Um, the other the other thing we have to do in the uh, in the A block here, as they say in the industry, is that I need to wish you, in addition to a happy birthday a week late, but also a happy fun facts about names day. Oh. Now I don't have any fun facts about your name or my I, name, but maybe I you do. do. What's your do. fun fact? Well, actually, uh, the little bit of research I did, um, I think. If I remember correctly, that Jason means healer, oh. and Miles means uncertain. So I'm uh, I'm an uncertain healer. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not great. If I'm going to go <laughs> to you for some healing, I would like you to know what you're doing. Oh yeah, I'm definitely unseal- un- uncertain when it comes to that. <laughs> All right. Well, that's pretty good. Uh, secondhand, uh, no. That's last week, duh. Um, so the fun facts about Names Day, which I didn't make note of here, had some fun facts about some names, and I'd just like to uh, read off a couple. Yeah, yeah. And you can tell me if you knew any of these. Sure. Donald Duck's middle name. Uh, Robertson. No, Donald Bob Duck. No, <laughs> it's uh, Fauntleroy. Fauntleroy, that's a good middle name. Fauntleroy. Fauntleroy. Yes. Uh, Maine is the only state in the United States whose name is just one syllable. Ah, Ohio, uh, New York. Yeah, I, I can see that. 
<laughs> out of those three, anyway. Kentucky, yeah, it's all good. Scotty is the name of the Monopoly dog. Really? Yes, Scotty. Oh, Scottish Terrier. There you go, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the name of the creases on the inside of one's wrists, do you know what that is? Uh, wrinkles. <laughs> that would be the um, layman's term. The actual <laughs> term is resetta. Resetta. R-A-S-C-E-T-A. Nice. There you go. Um, Barbie, the popular doll. Yep. You know what her full name is? Barbara. <laughs> it may be. I don't know, but I don't think so. It's Barbie Millicent, Millicent Roberts. And ah, she, so that's where Roberts comes from. There you go, yeah. <laughs> and it's not Millicent Millicent. It's Barbie Millicent Roberts. I just right. said it twice. <laughs> just once. One Millicent. And her boyfriend, Ken. Do you know what his last name is? Uh, Ken uh, Wigglesworth. That's a good guess, but it's actually Ken Carson. Carson. So she will, if they ever get married, they'll be Barbie Millicent Carson if she takes his name. Right. Or Barbie Millicent Roberts Carson. Right. So if they, they ever get married. If they ever get married. I really don't know if they will. They've been together since, what, the 60s? Oh, something like that. <laughs> you know what? I don't even know for sure that Barbie and Ken are an actual item, or if they're just friends. Probably just friends. Yeah, probably. They, they probably they would have got married by now, I think, or at least been considered common law and moved in together. You, you would think so, but it appears that they have not. My daughters have a few Barbies and a number of Kens. Uh, Ken is very, very pretty these days. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what he looked like when we were young. I didn't play with a lot of Barbies when I was a little boy or, yeah. or a little girl. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's very, very pretty these days. So I'm not so sure Ken is all that interested in Barbie anymore anyways. He's always been pretty. Oh, I don't know. Next time you're here, I'll show you Ken's coiffed hairstyles and fancy <laughs> skinny jeans and stuff I, like that. I, I look forward to it. I'm sure you do. All right, so happy, uh, happy fun facts about Names Day, everybody. If you have a fun fact about your name, uh, you can celebrate it. And let, you write it in, too. I like hearing fun facts about names. Why yeah. not? Good stuff. All righty, uh, let's do some quick Walking Dead news. The Walking Dead News. Now, a, a big apology this week. I don't have the ratings for uh, last week's episode in front of me. Uh, I forgot to go and look them up, and as I was scrambling just before starting here, I wasn't 100% sure when I went to look them up that I was looking at the right episode, so I said, ah, screw it, we'll do it twice next week. Right, okay. So no ratings. So, wait a minute, when you say do it twice, you mean you're going to give the ratings for the next episode twice, or are you going to do one for uh, two different episodes? (laughs) Yeah, why not? I'll just do the same bit twice. (laughs) Okay, well, I just got to be clear. I'll do next week, if you remind me, Jason, next week we'll do the ratings for I Ain't a Judas and for Clear, which was broadcast last night. Right, okay. But in the news this week is a follow-up to a uh, article, or not article, to a report that we talked about last time. Yeah, and that is that Rogers and AMC were having a little disagreement about you uh, know yeah, yeah. getting getting AMC to stay on there. Well, it turns out they have now reached a deal. Oh, good. <clears throat> so AMC is not going anywhere, uh, at least when it comes to broadcasting on Rogers. Now the the um, the deal actually expired on Thursday night, but Rogers did continue to air AMC even while the deal was off and they were negotiating a new one. So Rogers seemed to be acting in pretty good faith here. Yeah. 
And so they, AMC, they got a little jumpy then, I guess. AMC seemed to get a little jumpy. That seems to be their way of doing things. Yeah. But it looks like they have reached a deal, and there's a few, a few good positives out of all of this. Um, let me read from the article in the Globe and Mail. Uh, it, it said, the key, at least for customers, is the inclusion of a high-definition feed. Ooh. Rogers Vice President of Content, David Purdy, said the feed should be in homes by the end of the month. Oh, that's great. So there you go. Uh, Dave, friend of the show, Dave, you can now watch AMC in HD, or at least when they get the feed going. So that is exciting yeah. news. It, it actually does, you know, literally nothing for me because I don't have cable. But uh, as, as a general thing, I think that's fantastic news. Absolutely. The more HD, the better, really. Um, the deal also allows Rogers to offer the channel's programming on its TV Anywhere service, which allows subscribers to access the content on mobile devices. Nice. So there you go. You can be walking down the street watching AMC, although I wouldn't recommend it because you'll pay you'll <laughs> you'll be paying Rogers if they're your cell provider for loads and loads of data. Right. So uh, content and bandwidth. That's right. They yeah. got it all covered. Uh, finally, David Purdy also said, he's the Rogers vice president, he also said, everyone is trying to improve margins, keep costs down, and revenue up. It's my job to fight on behalf of Rogers and its customers to get the best possible deal. Obviously, no network comes to us offering to shrink their costs, but we've kept costs in line and will deliver more value for our customers. Right. And to be honest, it sounds like that's what they're doing. They, if nothing else, they got the HD feed finally, and uh, we can all be happy about that. I think we can. Good. So uh, there you go. That's our quick recap of last week's, uh, last week's news item. <laughs> now, uh, moving right along, it's time to talk about this week's episode of The Walking Dead, which was titled Clear. <clears throat> um, so Jason, just jump in anytime you want. This is going to sure. be a little different since you are in the remote studio. Well, how, how is it going to be different? I usually just jump in. Well, I guess so, but it might be harder for me to just stop because, you know, you're not here. And I, once I get going, you know, I, I tend to ramble on. Okay, fair enough. So see we, what I See? <laughs> 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 All right, so it's called Clear. We open. And uh, so last, well, let's, before we open, last week, Rick decided he was going on a run. We didn't really know where he was going other than to find more guns to try and weapon up a little bit for the oncoming war or disagreement with the governor weapon up is that a uh, is that a phrase well i if not i'm tming it right now all right coin here first friends weapon up yeah um so this whole episode is depicting that run right and uh what we do is we start with rick michonne and carl in the car driving along the road they pass a sign that says uh well you know what i'm going to read an email here from tyler in the uk look at me i'm starting everything with emails this week <laughs> Tyler said, I think the two of you have been meeting with AMC and are trying to get your favorite non-existent character Jasper into the show. Oh. As soon as I saw the makeshift sign at the start of the episode that read, Aaron, we tried for Stone Mountain, Jay, I instantly thought of the prisoner that never was. So maybe Jasper is part of The Walking Dead after all. Of course he is. See, the sign was, well, he's, the sign was signed Jay, and that's yeah. clearly Jasper. It has to be. Like, what else could it possibly be? Uh, Jimmy? No. <laughs> Except he's dead. <laughs> no, can't do it. Uh, or Jason. Uh, yeah, or James or Jasper. I, that's it, Jasper. All right, so there's Jasper. He, um, they tried for Stone Mountain. I didn't think to look up Stone Mountain. I wonder if it's a real place. 
Uh, I don't probably is. I mean, every every place else is a relatively real place. Yeah, that's true. It probably is. I didn't think to look it up. Um, I will do that after the show. Or if you're uh, from the from the Atlanta, Georgia area, let us know if Stone Mountain is a real place down there. Yeah, Stone Mountain's a real place. Oh, there you go. You found it already, eh? Stone Mountain, uh, yeah, it's in, uh, what do we got here? Stone Mountain is a quartz uh, monozonite dome mountain. Um, oh, God, I can't even read. It's in Georgia. Okay. Um, if, it, if it were up to me, I would I would open the Stone Mountain Bar and Grill. That sounds like a good place. Oh, wow. I totally want to go there. This place looks awesome. See what I mean? <laughs> it's, a, it's a big rock. Well, that's good. That's good. So, it's a mountain made out of stone. Well, m- many of them are. So, many. um, all right. So that's the sign. Now they continue driving down the road. They pass a living person on the street. He begs for them to slow down, uh, but they drive on. Don't they? Don't even really consider stopping to pick this guy up. They come to some overturned vehicles in the road, and they try to drive around, but get stuck in some mud. And suddenly, zombies are surrounding the car. That's because they were rubbernecking. They were. Uh, they stopped to look at the zombie that was trapped underneath the overturned car. Yes. And if they hadn't have stopped, everything would have been fine. But they stopped to have themselves a good uh, looky-loo, and then they got stuck. That is what tends to happen. Uh, if you keep going, sometimes you can just power through. But they stopped, they got stuck, and suddenly they were swarmed with zombies. Now, this is one of those scenes where I just have to suspend my disbelief a little bit because it's one of those things with, where were those zombies three seconds ago when everyone was yeah. looking out the window, uh, you know, and then they look down for a second and look up and there's 25 zombies around them. Or maybe not 25, but a number. Yeah, because, uh, you know, the uh, the windows in, in a vehicle are generally designed so that the uh, the, the occupants of that vehicle can uh, see out of them. Mm-hmm. They can uh, they can get a good idea of what's going on around them. So uh, these are very uh, stealthy zombies. These are our ninja zombies. They were they were there. You just couldn't see them until they wanted to be seen. Yeah, they had some kind of cloaking device. I would assume. Clearly, uh, now one of the zombies puts her arm up against the window, and there's a bracelet on her wrist that says Aaron. So right. we know that um, Jasper never, well, if Jasper did meet up with Aaron again, they're probably both zombies now. Well, Jasper's under the car. He was the one trapped under the car, I would assume. Oh, okay. Jasper was under the truck. Aaron was wandering around, and and uh, so neither of them really fared too well. Story complete. So that's right. Story complete. <laughs> uh, so Rick rolls down the window a crack, and he shoots one of the zombies out the window, and... Uh, the, he basically gun fires. We cut to them then outside the car after having killed all the zombies around them. Yeah, and this I could uh, actually stomach a lot more than uh, than the zombies sneaking up on the car because this was just a you know a changeover. You know, time has passed. They know how to deal with zombies. They dealt with the zombies. Now we're moving on. But the uh, the zombies sneaking up on the car and uh, I don't know. Maybe they let them sneak up on the car. And we just didn't see them caring. Could that be? Yeah, it, it could be. I mean, they knew they were there. They they. You know, they were thinking they would just drive on, right? But then they got stuck, and so so the zombies got closer than they would have let them, you know, maybe maybe they than they planned to let them, you know? Yeah. But still, I mean, as they drive up, there's a slightly wider shot, and there's no zombies standing around, so whatever. We got to let it go. Yeah. <clears throat> um, what I think is interesting about the scene, though, is... You know, our characters are in a situation that in season one, if you were stuck in a car and it was surrounded by zombies, that would be a huge, huge problem. 
It would. A huge deal. And we would see, you know, we would see how they deal with that. And, you know, who knows? Someone might have might have even not survived that encounter because they weren't so good at killing zombies. And here we are two seasons later in season three, and they're stuck in a car. They're surrounded by zombies. I got to say at least six or seven, maybe more. And he shoot one out the window, cut to done. We don't even get to see it anymore because we just know now that our characters in the show are like, eh, zombies, we can take care of them. They're fine. They are hardened, tough-as-nails zombie slayers. That's exactly what they have become. Yeah. Uh, so we cut to that. Carl is uh, questioning why Rick asked Michonne to come. And uh, Rick says he didn't want to leave her at the prison because he doesn't really trust her. He'd rather bring her along and keep his eyes on her. Right. That's <laughs> a fair, fair idea. I, I guess so. But then if you're, you know, if you're on a run with someone, there, an argument could be made that you want someone who's got your back. And if Rick doesn't trust her, that may not be the best choice. I don't know. I've been in situations that, uh, you know, where you want to keep people as far apart as possible so that they don't know about each other. But then when you get into a situation where they're in the same building, uh, the uh, the best solution I had come up with was to put them at the same table so that I could control the conversation. <laughs> Does this have anything to do with your wedding? No. Oh, okay. It was, it was when I was dating two women at the same time <laughs> a number of years ago. Long before you got married, it was a huge mistake. But uh, that I was very upset about these both both these women coming to the same uh, same show, and uh, so once I got them at the same table and I could control the conversation, everything was fine. But while they were, if well, even if they were on the separate sides of the room, I kept having to bounce between the two areas of the room, which was making things suspicious. Well, if there's so, one thing I know about you, it's that you like to manage the situation. Yeah, so having uh, being able to manage the situation, I can uh, I can see Rick wanting to have Michonne with him because if he doesn't trust her, he doesn't want to you know let her out of his sight. He wants to you know be able to to manage the situation. So I, I completely agree with his assessment there. Plus, he's got Carl there too, who he obviously trusts and he knows has his back. So it's not like it was yeah. just him and Michonne. Yeah, that's true. So before we go to credits, though, um, the guy that they passed on the road, the hitchhiker, is now running down the road yelling for them, and uh, they just get back in the car and drive off. Okay, did you uh, – I-, I wanted to bring this up. Um, did you see how far that guy would have had to run in order to catch up with them? Well, I mean, I saw where he was down the road, yeah. Yeah, so if you go back and, uh, and watch that scene as they were passing him, they drove off into the distance, and he was running after them. Uh, the, the road kind of went over a couple of hills down into a valley and up, up this huge hill and then around a corner. So I would assume that they went down and up and around and then went up this huge hill and then around a corner a little bit and it flattened out and this is where uh, they encountered all these zombies. You know, if you give that 20 minutes, half an hour, this guy would have had to run flat out for half an hour up this massive hill just to get there. Well, could we assume that they were stuck in that mud for a little bit longer than we think, maybe? Uh, and, like, maybe he, you know, maybe that guy... Hours? Well, I don't know. You never know. I got stuck in snow a few weeks ago, and uh, it took me a couple hours to get the car out. Now, that oh. was different. It was snow. There was only... Uh, and it was uphill, and I was stuck in a snowbank, but still. I mean, was the solution to your problem grabbing a uh, what looked like a skirt and some sticks and putting them under a tire? <laughs> no, no. Rick did say that's what you do, though, sticks and gravel and get some traction. 
Yeah. Anyway, I just I, I thought that this guy would have had to been uh, in tip top shape and a uh, a almost professional athlete to make it that distance over that terrain to get to where they are. Well, you know, he's been in the zombie apocalypse, maybe on the road for a year now, so that'll do pretty good things for your cardio, I bet. So what is that, rule number three, cardio? Cardio, that's right. (laughs) When you have to chase down some jerks who drive off, cardio. All right. Anyways, we go to the credits. When we come back, we, uh, our gang is driving into a town. They park and start walking. And uh, I noticed an arrow painted on the wall behind them. Nobody said anything, but it was there. Um, they arrive back at the police station from season one, Rick, Rick's old police station. There was, an, there was a series of arrows. There was an arrow on the ground as well, pointing him in that direction. There was, yeah. Um, the arrow came on the ground after they, well, unless there was one I didn't see there, but the arrow was on the ground um, after they left the police station. But there were arrows all over the place. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. There were arrows all over the place. There were messages written on, on the walls, things like that. But they go back to the police station from season one because Rick wants to see if all the weapons are still there in the gun locker. Right. Of course they're not. Oh. And uh, Rick is upset about this, and he decides they should check some local businesses for weapons. Uh, Michonne seems to be a little, you know, a little confused, and, and he says, do you have a problem with the plan? And she says, no, Rick, I don't have a problem. And then she hands him a bullet that she picked up off the ground. Now, is this a uh, a python round? Is that what that was? His guns. Was, oh. Yeah, his, he's the Colt Python is what he shoots, right? Well, because he used it. Uh, oh, did, okay, yeah. But I, I don't know. I didn't catch on to that the first time I watched through, and I was like, she picked up that bullet. She handed it to him. What's the significance of that? I think it was just a python round. That's what I came up with when I rewatched it. Yeah, I mean, later on, he when they're shooting, he uses he runs out of ammunition, and he pulls that bullet out of his pocket. Oh, see, I didn't see that either, but that's good. So it was a it was a spare bullet that he... Yeah, we'll did. come back to this. All right. You let me know when that happens. Sure. <clears throat> so they leave. They're walking along, and there's a message on the walls that says, Away with you. And yeah. uh, they pass a big pile of burned zombie bodies in a little stone courtyard. Kind of reminded me of where the Vatos guys were in season one, actually. It did. It, did. it may have been the same place. And there's more arrows on the ground. They keep walking. They see more, uh, more messages. For example, no guilt. You know that. Um, and they get to a part of town where there's all sorts of spiky traps laid. Yeah. And then written across the road is turn around and live, uh, which is fairly ominous. When, you, yeah. when someone gives you that message, it's probably a good idea to, to comply. Uh, but there are – so there's these spiky traps all over the place. There are little animals in cages like rats and, and – uh, I don't know. Were there birds? I thought I saw birds, but maybe just rats and mice. Mostly rats. Mostly rats. They pass a car and the word clear is written on the windshield, which is the title of this episode. True. So uh, we don't know what that means yet. So they uh, they walk through the traps. A zombie comes up behind them and Michonne goes to take it out. But Rick says, no, no, no. It will get stuck. And sure enough, it does. She, the zombie runs into some barbed wire and just can't get through and is stuck there. Yeah. Uh, suddenly, somebody on the roof shoots the zombie and tells them to leave. And, uh, you know, they take a second to like, sort of put their hands up and say, hey, hey, we're not here looking for any trouble. But uh, Rick yells at Carl to run and he shoots back. And Michonne goes to get up on the roof and try to, you know, hunt out whoever's up there shooting at them. 
So uh, what uh, what this guy said was, you know, put down your put down everything you have, your shoes, your guns, yep. and 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 leave. You have ten seconds, which seems like a really long time for someone to give someone else to make up their mind. So Rick and well, everybody had ten seconds to figure out what to do and to run. Actually, that's a good point. That is a long time. He started counting down, uh, didn't he? And uh, that gave Rick long enough to. It, well, it gave Rick and Michonne long enough to decide that she would go up on the roof and that Carl should run for the car and yeah. uh, and then Rick to, you know, shoot back and take cover. So that is a long time now that you point that out. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so they shoot all back. Michonne ends up on the roof seemingly at the speed of light. <laughs> yeah. Like we cut, we cut away and uh, Rick's down behind a barrel and there she is up on the roof. She's very fast. She is extremely fast. Now, by this time, the shooter on the roof has disappeared. Rick, you know, moves between cover, and now he's on the ground. Yep. The roof shooter. Also fast. Also fast. These are, these are fast-moving people. And that was, that was probably a four- or five-story building, don't you think? Uh, yeah, I would say so. You know, something like that. That's a lot of stairs to run up and down that quickly. Yep. Um, Rick is cornered behind a barrel. He, uh, he can't get a shot off. Suddenly, Carl jumps out and shoots the guy, and down he goes. Okay, so this is where uh, Rick ran out of ammo. Okay. Uh, so he was shooting his, uh, his revolver, and he ran out of ammo, and he didn't have any left. So he reached into his pocket, and he pu- put it into his revolver, that one bullet, and that, that's what he was going to shoot that guy with when he got close enough. Oh. It popped out from behind in order to shoot him. That's when Carl came out and shot him. Okay, see, I didn't catch that. It's a good thing he had that bullet then. He would have been okay. Exactly. <laughs> but Carl, you're right, jumps out, shoots the guy, down he goes, <clears throat> and uh, he's unconscious. So they go over to him. Rick realizes that he's wearing body armor. He, you know, finds out that the bullet didn't penetrate the guy's skin or anything. I guess it just knocked him out. Even uh, though... Made him fall asleep is all I can figure out. Hit him in the, hit him in the stomach, made him fall asleep. <laughs> so when you get hit with a... Around, even you know, if the uh, the body armor catches it, I mean, it hurts like a mother, I'm sure. And from what I've read and, and seen on uh, newsreels and stuff, newsreels, what am I from the 30s? From news programs, uh, it hurts like a, a mother, but uh, I don't think it knocks you unconscious. Maybe he fell back and hit his head or something, and you ended up unconscious. He had a helmet on, yeah. Well, it, it, yeah, was it a full head helmet or was it just something over his face? Uh, it it looked like a uh, uh, <laughs> to, honestly, from what I saw in the distance, it sort of looked like a dead mouse helmet. You know, I thought of it looked like a paintball uh, helmet. It could have been something like that. You know, that covers your covers your face. Uh, but anyways, he was unconscious. Yeah, he for, made, made him very very sleepy for a very long time. For whatever reason, they go over. Rick takes off the mask. Dun, dun, dun. Morgan is back. Morgan. There is Morgan. So the one single thing that more people have been wondering has now come to fruition. Morgan is back. Yep. We go to commercial, and when we come back, uh, Rick and Michonne are talking about taking Morgan back up into the building, and Rick decides they should watch for booby traps because clearly the whole place is a giant booby trap. Yep. They are going up the stairs, and they approach uh, sort of a curtain kind of thing over a door yep. that says, uh, not shitting you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, they, there's a tripwire that Rick notices, so he says to be careful of the tripwire. And uh, upstairs, and then they come in, 
not going over the tripwire and pass an axe that was set up to swing and take people out if, uh, I guess, if they hit that tripwire. And had blood on it, so somebody else came that far. An extremely bloody axe, that's right. I guess it's not worth cleaning your axe after it chops somebody in the face. I mean, really, what's the point? Uh, I don't know. Uh, but I cleaned it, but that's just me. Yeah, that's just you. Upstairs, they come into a room, and it's full of weapons. So this is where all the guns are, clearly. Well, just, yeah, lots and lots and lots of guns. He's been collecting them, Morgan. He's been collecting guns and making traps. Yeah. Um, they uh, put Morgan down on a bed, and they immediately start rooting through the stuff. Like, they are basically there to take stuff, yeah. even though it's Morgan and Rick knows who this is. Um, and the walls, the walls are covered uh, in writing, and the word clear is written numerous times in various colors. Yeah. Um, did you make a note of anything else that was written on the wall other than, you know, the most important thing that I'll get to in a second? Uh, no. Okay. There was no, lots I, of... I meant to, but I didn't get around to getting back to it. It's okay. You're sick. I understand. Yeah. Um, there was lots of stuff. I didn't really make a note, but maybe we'll revisit this briefly next week and see what's there. There were a lot of names. There were a lot of, you know, just partial phrases, all kinds of stuff. I'm not so sure any of it is all that relevant because it may just be the musings of a crazy man. Yeah. Um, but you know what? We analyzed the governor's diary to death when that was uh, shown. So we may as well take a closer look at this stuff, too, Sure. Uh, which we can do. Um, but, uh, what happened? Rick finds, oh, Rick's looking through stuff. He finds the walkie talkie that he gave Morgan Yeah. and he looks up and written on the wall are the words Dwayne turned. Yeah. So poor Dwayne, Morgan's son, I guess at some point turned into a zombie. And that's probably the main reason why Morgan has been driven crazy. Yep. Uh, but more on that later. Rick tells Michonne, after seeing this, Rick tells Michonne and Carl that they're going to wait for Morgan to wake up. Michonne pr- protests, but Rick insists, and he ties Morgan's hands, because at this point he is a pretty good idea that Morgan uh, might be a nut job. Yeah. So he's taking precautions there. Yeah. Uh, Carl's looking around. He finds a map of the town drawn on the wall with Rick's house labeled on it, Yeah. which is cool, and it says Rick's house burnt out. So Rick's house is burnt out, you know, and, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe Morgan and Dwayne took cover there for a while, took refuge, and got into some trouble and burned the place down. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. (laughs) The other thing written on that map was the letters KCC, and I felt like the camera focused on that um, a few times. Now, it might have just been, you know, um, Carl's point of view looking at the wall, but I don't know why they seem to show that, and it almost seemed like it zoomed in on a little bit. So I wonder if KCC means something that I'm missing or if it's if it's some sort of Easter egg or something like that. Does it mean anything to you? Nothing at all. Nothing at all. It's not initials or anything like that? Not that I not have, well, I mean, I'm sure it means something, but I, I don't know what. All right. Well, again, maybe we'll come back to that. I don't know. I just it seemed like it stood out a little bit in uh, in what they were showing there. So, so what I've got here is uh, Kent County Council, uh, Kamloops Computer Center. <laughs> it's probably uh, not that. <laughs> Kelowna Christian Center. Uh, that's about it. All right. Well, probably not any of those things. But hey, you never know. Uh, now Carl then pipes up and says he's going to go on a run now. So they're on a run and he's going on a run. It's a run within a run. Right. That's what's about to happen here. It's a run. It's a run run. Yes. It's a run run. Double run. Yeah. And he says he's going to go for a crib because they need a crib, which is a fair point. They do need a crib. Yeah. 
Um, Michonne goes with him because she says he'll need help carrying the box. (laughs) (laughs) Makes sense. It totally does. Crib boxes are big, man. I've had one. And uh, no kid could carry that by himself. Fair enough. Uh, Rick uh, protests a bit, but uh, he agrees generally. Actually, he didn't really protest that much. He was like, yeah, okay, go get a crib. You're right. That's the deal. Take her with you or don't go at all. Yeah, exactly. So walking outside, Carl tries to ditch Michonne immediately when uh, she goes off to kill a walker. Yeah. And he just sort of runs off and goes around a corner. She catches up with him and uh, says that uh, he says that he wants to do this on his own. Which is fine and all, but I'm thinking, you know what, man, take take the help. You may not, Michonne may not be your favorite person, but you don't want to be alone in this world, so take the help. True. That's what I was thinking there. Yeah, true. <clears throat> um, they pass the baby place where the cribs would be, but Carl says he's getting Judith something else first. Right. So we cut back to Rick uh, waiting with Morgan, talking to him as he sleeps. And we see Morgan's eyes open, and the camera pan down to a knife strapped under the cot. That's that's true. I would have looked. I would have searched the cot if I put Morgan <laughs> in there myself. But you would think so. You'd be like, you know. Although they did bind his hands, so maybe he's figuring he's all, uh, you know, he's all tied up. What's he going to do? The worst that'll happen is he'll roll off the cot. But uh, well, any weapon can be held with one hand with the other hand tied to it, like a, a handgun. Oh or- yeah knife or a sword or uh you know the trigger for a big bomb (laughs) that's right a thumb switch for a giant bomb yep like a james bond villain would have or something exactly or a laser a laser now they and the thing is they didn't tie him to the bed which may have made more sense they just i guess rick just bound his wrists and that was it yep um we see uh rick pick up a gun a rifle with a scope and I think this was the gun that Morgan tried to shoot his wife with back in season one. It looked like it. I think it's the same one. And, of course, uh, that's a gun that Rick gave to Morgan, too, which is uh, something something right there. Yeah. Um, as Rick's looking at the gun, Morgan jumps up and attacks him. Um, as they're sort of wrestling, Rick tries to convince him that he knows him, but Morgan doesn't seem to recognize him at all. Nope. Morgan gets on top of him, and he stabs Rick in the shoulder. That knife went into his shoulder. Ouch. And, uh, uh, you know, Rick sort of gets him off of him, and he pulls a gun, points it at Morgan, and Morgan begs him to kill him. Yep. Still not really knowing who Rick was. Right. Um, I was like, I was surprised to see that knife go into Rick's shoulder. I'm like, oh, he'll just push it away, roll him off, and then kick him in the face or something, but... He actually got stabbed. I'm like, man, it's, he's, yep. taking a, he's taking it bad here. Oh, he'll heal up pretty quick. Well, as we know, there's a healing factor involved here. So, yeah. yeah. He'll be uh, fine. Yeah, and he was pretty much fine um, when we come back from commercial. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we see some zombies um, outside trying to get the animals in traps. So we now know what those those animal traps are for. They're luring zombies into the zombie traps. Yeah. In case we didn't in case you hadn't already figured it out. Now you know. Um, Morgan's inside still begging to be killed. Rick has bandaged himself up and is trying to remind Morgan who he is. He uh he shows him the walkie and reminds him to turn it on or reminded him that he said to turn it on every day. Right. At dawn. At dawn, that's right. That's right. Yep. So now Morgan does remember who Rick is and says he did turn it on every day for weeks but never heard anything. 
Um, Rick explains that they just kept getting pushed back. He found his wife and son, and they had no choice but to keep moving and getting pushed farther and farther away, I guess out of range of the walkie-talkies. Right. Um, Morgan asks if Rick wi- Rick's wife turned, and he says no, she died. And uh, then Morgan relates to Rick how Dwayne died. Yeah. And it's a horrible, tragic story. Very sad. If I do say so. It goes like this. Morgan, he says, was looking for some food in a cellar because that's all they, you know, that was the most trouble they had, finding food. And when he came up, Morgan's wife was there, and Dwayne was pointing his gun at her. Morgan called to Dwayne, and when he turned, uh, she attacked and ate her own son. Oh. It's horrible. It's, it's, Ouch. It's, uh, it's ironic and, just, and it's just such a terrible story. So Morgan loses his wife. He has his son, and then he loses his son at the mouth of his wife. Yeah, it's pretty pretty brutal. Um, and 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 this is all after Morgan had a chance to you know put down his wife with that rifle in season one, and he couldn't do it. And now he blames himself pretty much for everything that's happened because you know he didn't have the balls to do that, and then she came back and took Dwayne from him too. It's just a horrible, tragic story. Yeah. And I got to say, this scene was one of my favorite things that this show has put in front of me, I think. It was a very, very powerful scene. Very good. Very powerful. And Lenny James, I mean, I've liked that guy for a long time. I I thought he was really good in Hung, if you ever watched the old HBO, not old, but the canceled HBO show Hung. Yeah. And, of course, he's amazing on The Walking Dead. He is just fantastic. I I was so glad to see him back. And this scene... You know, it it reminded me a little bit of uh, um, uh, Merle's, one of Merle's early scenes when he was by himself on the roof, handcuffed to the roof, and he was going crazy. Yeah. And he was just kind of doing a one-man show, a bit of a monologue thing. Now, I know in this case, Rick was in the room, but to me, it just felt like um, Morgan was, you know, stealing the show a little bit here, just with his relation of this story to Rick, so... It was a very powerful story, and I, I really like Lenny James as well. I've liked him in everything I've seen him in, British stuff, American stuff. Um, and I thought this scene was uh, was incredibly powerful. And I also thought it was entertaining that uh, two British actors, actors had to talk with southern accents. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Scene. Two British guys with, with their southern accents. Now, I, here's something I've wondered, and maybe this is silly, but I've wondered that as an actor – when you have to do an accent that's not your native accent, I mean, that's something actors do all the time, right? And, you know, yeah. for good actors, it's probably not that difficult. But does it get harder when you have to be extremely emotional or maybe yell or scream instead of just talking and delivering lines? Like, do you think it's harder to do a fake accent when you're yelling? Uh, yes. Okay. I do. <laughs> do you want to put on a British accent and yell into the mic? Oh, no, nobody wants that. I don't think you should either. No. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I was just wondering that. And and so Morgan here, or uh, Lenny James here in this scene, was just giving it all, right? And, you know, he had to keep his accent, and he had to be extremely emotional. And, as we said, did a fantastic job. Yeah, So uh, I will watch Lenny James in anything. I will also watch Connie Britton in anything. So if if her and Lenny James got together and did a movie or a show, I'd be all over that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Just Do you saying. like Connie Britton? I like Connie Britton, man. She's great. 
Yeah. Loved her in Friday Night Lights. Loved her in the first season of uh, American Horror Story. Well, she's in that Nashville show now. I know, and I'm, I am got to watch that soon. I got to watch it. If Lenny James was in Nashville, he's not, is he? Uh, no, he's not. Okay, if he was, I'd, I would have watched that by now for sure. But I am rewatching uh, Jericho on Netflix. Oh, that, yeah, I've never seen that, but he was in that too. Yeah, the show is crap, but Lenny James is really, really good. Oh, that's good, that's good. The show's it's bad, good. eh? I've heard, I heard okay things about it. Yeah, it's got, its main star is Skeet Ulrich, which... Anyway, we won't need to talk about uh, Jericho. Could be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so anyways, we come back, we, uh, we go to commercial, we come back. Michonne and Carl are approaching the King County Cafe. They get up to the door, look through the window, and inside they see walkers all just kind of sitting there. KCC. KCC, the King County Cafe. Uh, That just hit me. There you go. We figured it out. (laughs) Good work, man. (laughs) Thanks. Um, All right. Now, I don't know why the KCC was written on the map right close to Rick's house, because I don't know if Rick's house is right anywhere near here, but maybe it is. I don't know. Well, I I assume so, because that's, uh, you know, the reason that they're going there. Right, it has to do with uh, you know visiting this place in the past. So I would assume that it's close to Rick's house. Well, close, yeah. But on the map, it looked like it was like right next door. It could be. Okay. Well, there you go. Down the street. I mean, uh, you know, I've lived in places where I've gone to pubs just uh, you know a few doors down because that's the closest pub. Yeah, and why go any farther than you have to? Yeah. Okay, King County Cafe, KCC. There you go. You, people, you don't have to write in and tell us now. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, they look through. They see the walkers inside. Carl goes to just open the door and walk right in, but Michonne stops him. Um, and then this, we it felt like there was a little bit of strange editing here because she stops him. They're right up at the door, and now suddenly they cut, and uh, they're like way far from the front door, and they're walking away from the place. Yeah. It felt a little weird to me, but... Um, Carl says he's going to do this no matter what, and Michonne offers to help him, or she actually says, you know, you can't stop me from helping you kind of thing. Right. And then they cut back to the the KCC door opening, and they push a skateboard in, a couple of skateboards in with Rat in a cage to, you know, uh, draw the attention of the zombies. Right, surfer rats or skater rats. Skater rats, that's right. But it just felt... Something felt jarring to me about it, how they were right up at the door, and then they were like, you know, 100 meters away from the door, walking away from it, talking, and then they were back at the door to push the skateboards in. I mean, I guess they were going to get those skateboards, but they never really gave me that indication. Nobody said, I got a plan. Let's go get some rats on a skateboards. So I don't yeah. know. It felt weird to me. I didn't have a problem with it. I didn't notice anything. All right. Well, there was another editing weirdness later on, which I'll get to, too. Sure. Um, But while the zombies are occupied with the rats, they sneak in. Carl climbs up on the bar and takes down a picture off the wall. Uh, We don't see what it is quite yet, but uh, a zombie reaches up from behind the bar, grabs his leg, but Michonne katanas it in the head before anything bad can happen. Right. Sneaking out, the zombies, a rat comes running around a corner, bringing zombies, you know, with uh, shortly behind it. They start going for them. He drops the picture, and they sort of run around through the bar and make it out the door, but, right. with, but without the picture. Oops. Um, now, I'm going to read an email here from Victoria from the internet, oh. and this, okay. is, this was her holy crap moment for the, uh, for the episode, but I thought I'd inject it right here <laughs> because there's something I wanted to ask you about it. Sure. 
She says, my holy crap moment was in the cafe when Carl puts a bullet in Morgan's dead wife's head. Epic. Did you see this? I Read that again. <laughs> my holy crap moment was in the cafe when Carl puts a bullet in Morgan's dead wife's head. So Victoria here is saying that Morgan's wife was in the cafe and uh, Carl put her down. I did not see that. No. Now... I didn't really get a great look at any of the zombies in there. It was a bit dark and so on. But I wonder, uh, I wonder if Morgan's wife was in there. And that's maybe why KCC is written on the map. He's Oh, could be. You know, he's remembering where she is or, you know, whatever. But uh, I missed that if that's if that's true. It's I missed that too. It's a good catch, Victoria, and uh, thanks for pointing it out. I think it's also, you know, a good kind of cool attention to detail, uh, uh, you know, with the show, if they did indeed put her in there. Yeah. But I didn't see it. But anyways, that's a cool holy crap for sure. Um, They're outside now. Carl says he has to go back in for it. And uh, Michonne basically says, you're crazy, tells him to wait here and runs off around the building. Now, seconds later, she comes back with the picture. And I don't understand what happened here. Am I just dumb? It's a changeover. It's uh, time passes. We don't know how much time has passed, and we don't know what's happened in the uh, in that intervening time. But it felt so awkward to me. She's like, stay here. He just stands there, leaning up against a bunch of doors with zombies right behind them, like seemingly totally nonchalant about it. You think he'd, I don't know, at least stand a few feet away so if they suddenly burst through, he could run. I don't know. Maybe he was uh, standing there and he had a smoke and, you know, time has passed and things have gone on. Well, I don't know. It felt weird to me. Why wouldn't, why would Michonne just run off and then suddenly show back up again? Here's your picture. Like, what did we miss? Like, why didn't we get to see that? Like, how did she get in there and get it? He seemed to drop it right in the middle of a giant crowd of zombies. Well, I don't know if this episode was about fighting zombies. It was about, uh, you know, moving the plot along, uh, doing what they, uh, you know, what they were, what, what they meant to do was to, to have this story play out, not, you know, cut for 15 minutes of zombie fighting. I understand that. I, I completely am on board with that. I mean, you were moving stuff along. We're, uh, you know, like the beginning when they don't show the uh, they don't show them killing the zombies that are outside the car. This was reminded me of that a little bit, but it just didn't feel nearly as fluid. You know, it yeah. felt awkward. It's like, oh my god, we just made it out of there. Wait here, and I'll go get the picture. Which she didn't even say. She just said, "Wait here," and then went and came back, and she had it. And I don't know. It, yeah. I was a little jarred so by the whole thing. Right, this whole thing was a bit playful, so it was sort of like a. I don't know, a mini joke of some kind? Yeah, it almost did come off like a joke, especially as they're walking away, and she has that rainbow cat that she brought with her, too. So I guess she also had time to, you know, examine the decor of the place and steal some of that as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The whole... it, it To me, the whole part at the KCC felt... Uh, like they may have maybe shot more and they cut it down and it just didn't quite come together for me as a as a set piece or a scene, you know? Um, I'm not saying it was bad, but I, both times I watched, I sort of felt, well, that's a bit awkward how they were right up at the door, now they're not, and we don't know what they're doing. And then they get in there, he drops the picture, which is, you know, a dramatic element. What are they going to do now? How are they going to get back? And then they come outside, they're safe, 
And then she just goes, it's like she just walked in and picked it up and came back out again. It didn't totally work for me. Eh. Well, maybe it, uh, maybe they did have these scenes and uh, they just ended up on the cutting room floor because uh, of time and pacing. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. It's just I think if it was a pacing problem, they f- they failed at making the scene as they did it pace itself very well. Timing, I can see. They just they just couldn't fit it in, right? Right. Um, maybe it'll end up as an outtake or a deleted scene on the DVD or Blu-ray when it comes out. Who knows? Or a nine-part webisode. A n- <laughs> really long. <laughs> That's right. He was actually standing out there for a day and a half while she went in and <laughs> did her thing. Yeah, it very well could have been. I mean, uh, we, we assume that everything uh, in this episode took place in one day because uh, the sun was up the whole time. But it could have been like three and a half weeks. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah, we never saw the sun go down, but I guess it could have been more time than I think. Yeah. Um. So she brings out the cat. They walk away. They have a little laugh. We go back to Rick and Morgan. Uh, Rick is telling Morgan that he should come back to the prison with them. He says, we found a prison. They got big fences. It's safe there. Or, you know, safe-ish. Yeah, and keep them out. (laughs) Yeah, keep them out, exactly. Morgan tells Rick to just go and uh, realizes that he's taking a lot of guns with him. And Morgan realizes that he, you know, Rick says it's safe, but uh, he obviously, there's obvious someone who wants to take it from them. That's why they need all those weapons. Yeah, so you got this prison that's safe. Uh, did your wife die there? Yep. Yes. Uh, uh, what do you need all the guns for if it's safe? <laughs> yeah, that's Well, right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not so safe. When I say safe, I mean there are fences. But there's other stuff going on. <laughs> there's also other stuff. Uh, Morgan says he can't come back with Rick, though, because he has to be clear. Um, And that's, I guess, where all the the word clear comes written all over the walls. Now, this is something that confused me a little bit. Does does he actually say that he has to be clear or he has to clear? Uh, No, you're right. He has to clear, not be clear. He has to clear. So I'm thinking that Morgan's whole purpose in life is to get rid of all the zombies. He has to clear the zombies. God, is, is that what he meant? Like he, I, he has to wipe them all out? Well, this is what I'm thinking. He can't go. He's got work to do. He has, he's built this whole area around him to trap, uh, kill, and dispose of zombies. You're absolutely right. We go to commercial. When we come back, Morgan is there loading zombies, like dead zombies, from his traps onto a stretcher. Yeah. And he what he does is he wheels them over to that big burnt pile of bodies and I guess lights them on fire. So you're right. He's clearing he's clearing the the zombies out. He's trying to clear them all away. Yeah, he's not trying to survive them. He's trying to get rid of them all. Yeah, and I guess I mean I guess what else does he have left in life, right? He's lost his whole family. He's barely surviving. Yeah. He's like maybe I'll do some good in my crazy little way. Wow, that's crazy. Him. It's it's kind of a literal interpretation of what he was saying, but, you know, that, that could very well be it. I wasn't totally sure what he meant by I have to clear, so I think I like your interpretation. Yeah, so, the, I mean, the uh, the different areas on the map, he's saying that this area is clear, this area is clear, this area is clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, the KCC, that's all closed and contained, but I can't quite clear that yet because, uh, you know, maybe my, my dead wife's in there. But yep. uh, this area that he's in right now, he has to clear. Interesting. I like it. And so he can't leave until he does that. Right. Wow. Very, very cool. So, yeah, outside, he's loading them onto the stretcher. 
Uh, Carl and Michonne come back with a crib. So they got the crib on the way back, I guess. Not in a box? No, not in a box. A It looked like one of those uh, pack-and-play folding-type crib thingies. So, Which uh, they didn't fold. No, they didn't fold. It would have been much easier to compress it all up. Yeah. I, I have experience. Hmm. Um, they come back, and as they pass Morgan, Carl apologizes for shooting him. But, and he says, but you know I had to, right? Yeah. And uh, Morgan says to him, son, don't ever be sorry. Yeah. Do what you got to do to keep yourself safe. Um, good attitude there from Morgan, I think, you know. <laughs> Don't be pissed. Just, you know, you do what you got to do. Yeah. Uh, loading the car, Rick asks Carl if everything was good with Michonne, and he says, yes, I think she might be one of us now. Nice. So that's good. I'm really, really glad to see that Michonne is finally going to be sort of accepted into this group. Uh, you know, it felt like, well, we've complained that she's barely had a line on the show, that she never smiles. She, she's always just there. She doesn't really talk to anybody. Yeah. Um, finally in this episode, she had some lines. She did some speaking. She came together with, with, uh, Carl and then by extension, Rick, and, uh, she's one of them now. So I hope they can just sort of learn to trust her and move on with whatever, you know, storyline they want to take. I think this was a, a good step for all the characters. Yeah, I think it's I think it's done. I think she she's uh, she's in the group now. She's part of the cohesive unit. Uh, I think they'll just move on from from that storyline. Totally, and I'm glad to see it. So Michonne comes back around the back of the car after uh, Carl gets in, and uh, she confides in Rick that she knows he sometimes sees things or people. Yeah, and she also tells him that she sometimes sees people too. And she said, "I I some I used to speak to my dead boyfriend." Right. And and this just solidifies it even more because, you know, Rick is like, oh, I may be crazy, but maybe everyone's a little crazy. And, you know, I'm not certainly not the only one going through some serious shit here. Yeah. And I, it just brings them together. I think it just solidified the fact that, yeah, Michonne is now one of them and uh, we can move on finally. Uh, driving back, they see Morgan. They pass Morgan loading zombies into the big burnt out pit from the beginning so we sort of know what he's doing there yep clearing they pass the spot on the road where they got stuck coming in at the beginning and uh they they continue driving and they find the remains of the hitchhiker on the side of the road he looks to be badly bloodied (laughs) and eaten he didn't make it very far, did he? Because he was running up to that uh, that area when they were driving towards the town. And when they were driving away from the town, they went around the wreck again, which means they were, when they picked up the, uh, the backpack or when they found the remains, uh, they were on the same side of the wreck that he was originally on. You're so right. He, he didn't make it very far from when we last saw him. And what I mean by that is maybe four or five feet. No, uh, he did not seem to make around. it very far. Sorry. Or, yeah, or he turned around. Uh, maybe. Or he just, you know, this is the second time at the beginning this group had driven away without him, and he was so distraught, maybe he just could no longer go on, sort of slumped down on the side of the road and, well, never took another step. Right. Well, that could be too. And then the, uh, the you know, the ninja zombies with their cloaking device snuck up on him. Well, yeah. There's nothing. There's no shame in going down to a ninja zombie with a cloaking device. Because what can you do about that? Yeah, what are you going to do at that point? Yeah. I mean, you're you're totally hosed. 
Uh, so they pass his remains. You know, a few more feet down the road, there's his orange backpack. They pass it, but they stop, re- reverse. I almost said rewind. Rewind? <laughs> they rewind the car. <laughs> no, they reverse, pick up the backpack, shut the door, and drive off the end. Yeah, off into the sunset. Uh, pretty much, yeah. 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 Um, so there you go. Here's an episode where it was all one single mission. It only involved three of our characters, uh, not including um, Morgan. And uh, what did you think about it? How did you, you enjoy this one? Not seeing anything at the prison, nothing at Woodbury, no Governor, no Andrea, no uh, Tyrese, nobody. I, I thought it was great. Yeah? It was, it was fantastic to see uh, uh, Morgan again. And uh, I thought that the, the acting was fantastic. I like this kind of thing. I think this is considered a bottle episode where you just have a subset of the characters in a uh, kind of a small self-contained storyline. Uh, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was great. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, I I like it. They don't do this very often on this show, where they just sort of step away from the main plot for a little while to do something else. Yeah. Um, and it's nice to see now and then. Like you said, the acting was amazing. Andy Lincoln was really good. Uh, Morgan was phenomenal. Carl, I don't know. He had obviously a bigger part in this than he has in a single episode in a long time. He this may be his episode with the most lines of the whole series. I don't know. It seemed like it. And he was good, but he wasn't up to the caliber of everybody else. Now, to be fair, he's, you know, he's a young budding actor, so he doesn't have the years of experience. Yeah. So I certainly don't hold it against him that much. Oh, I thought it was great. I just I wish he would have had a haircut is all. <laughs> you don't get a lot of haircuts in the zombie apocalypse, man. Oh, come on. You can, everybody has a knife. That's you can have true. a haircut. When he was in the car and he just his hair was all hanging loose, I just, like, get it. Everybody else can cut their hair. That's true. <laughs> Carol seems to be able to keep it nice and short. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't want a haircut, man. When I was, when I was younger, I grew my hair long. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I had, a, I had a Jesus thing going on, too, with the long hair and the full <laughs> beard. And... <laughs> Not anymore. Now you're a respectable grown adult. Yes. Um, yeah. Short time. Let's just go with an adult with short hair. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so Sean from Vancouver sent an email, and he said, um, I was hoping Rick would help the hitchhiker like Morgan and Glenn once helped him to stay alive at different times. But yeah. I guess he was in no mood to pay it forward. They had uh, They had things to do. Yeah, but still, I mean... Rick's got a, I mean, this whole episode was with Morgan, at least, you know, going back to that Morgan saving his life and, uh, you know, how they were two strangers in season one who came together and and helped each other a lot. And now, you know, this is, you know, we're not, you know, within this episode, we're not very far removed from that. But Rick's driving by a guy on the side of the road who's begging for them to help and stop him, yet he doesn't. They're all pretty jaded now with the governor, uh, you know, situation that they've been dealing with. I guess in Rick's mind, he probably sees Morgan as, you know, almost like from pre-apocalypse almost, you know. I mean, it's probably been long enough now that, that uh, you know, that first days when Rick ro- woke up, he probably thinks back on that now, like, fondly almost. Yeah. Well, maybe, uh, you know, after meeting... Uh, Morgan in in town there he would be reminded of uh, such charity at the beginning of uh, you know his situation uh, waking up in a zombie apocalypse maybe if uh, the hitchhiker was still alive at this point they would have picked him up 
Yeah, that's true. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess at this point he's dead, so they might as well take his pack and well, yeah. uh, and and use whatever supplies he had. But hey, look, free stuff. That's why free stuff the side of the road. Who you know, you'd be losing money if you didn't take it. That's right. Um, yeah, but I just think it uh, it it does go to show. You know, our our characters have changed quite a bit in in three seasons. You know, forced to by their surroundings. So yeah. Um, the other thing I think is interesting to highlight about this episode is just the uh, the comparison of Morgan's path, even though we didn't see any of it. We kind of have a good idea of how it's gone versus Rick's path since they parted ways in the in the pilot episode. Yep. You know, Rick, he found his family. That was a good thing. He found other survivors. They managed, you know, they went through some shit, but they managed to uh, sort of make a go of it. They finally sort of found somewhere safe. Obviously, bad things have happened. Um, there has been some craziness. Um, Morgan, on the other hand, you know, he, he all he's done is sort of lost his family. He never really found anybody that we know of. And he's tried to find somewhere safe, but it doesn't seem to be all that safe, even though he's got all those traps and so on. And, you know, even though both characters have sort of come to a place of craziness, Rick, I don't think, was ever quite as far gone as Morgan. And Rick's clearly coming out of Crazy Town while Morgan was deeply embedded in it. So I think it was just a cool juxtaposition of those two characters and the, the different paths they've taken. Yeah, I would agree with that. And you know what else is uh, you know what else bugs me a little bit? What's that? I have a feeling we're not gonna see Morgan ever again, or if we do it'll be three seasons from now, and that bums me out. Yeah, a little bit. He's not gonna be uh, part of the cast anytime soon. That's too bad. I really wish he he was, you know, when he when I first saw him, I was like, "Yes, Morgan's back. He's going to be he's going to be cool. They're going to bring him back to the prison. Everything'll be great. You know, he's going to be on the show." And it didn't work out that way. I guess Lenny James is just a super busy guy and and maybe doesn't want to commit to a a, you know, a full-on TV show right now, but it's too bad. Yeah, he's just going to be uh in and out for, you know, a whole bunch of time. He's got things going on in in, in England. He's got another uh Another series of uh, the television show he's been working on. I forget the name of it, but uh, yeah, he's got he's got stuff going on. Yeah, obviously. I just wish I just wish selfishly that he would be on The Walking Dead because I love him so much. Well, write him a letter. I might. I'm going to write him a fan letter. Ask him if right. I can get a signed eight by ten headshot. And that'd be, I'm sure he'd send it to you. I'll frame it and put it up above my bed. There you go. That'd be creepy and weird, but great idea. Thank you. All right. So uh, there you go. That was clear. A cool episode. A really, really good one. A lot of people are calling this the best episode of at least the second half of season three. Some people of all of season three. And uh, there was some whisperings out there that this, in fact, is, you know, by all accounts, the best episode of this season. So uh, we will see as the rest of the season plays out. But I know I liked it quite a bit. And it sounds like you did, too. Well, yeah, it's it's definitely in my uh, top four episodes of the second half of season three. <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> I can agree with that. <laughs> you weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break uh, to thank our sponsor. When we come back, we'll read listener feedback and do, holy crap, did you see that? So thanks for listening, everybody. Stick around. We will be right back after this.
For you, the listeners of The Talking Dead, Audible is offering a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial, so you have a chance to check out the service. Jason, what book are we going to recommend this week? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend a book that was actually recommended to me by uh, Dave, friend of the show Dave. Good old friend of the show Dave. Yeah, he recommended that... Uh... We that I'd listen to a book called Metro 2033, which is uh, basically a post-apocalyptic uh, Moscow uh, story that takes place in the uh, the Moscow subway after some kind of apocalypse. I haven't quite listened long enough to figure out what happened, but they've been down in the uh, the Moscow subway system for uh, thirty years. Whoa. Like. 30 years. So you get the perspective of the people who are taking cover and underground and haven't really been up to the surface in that in that length of time. Exactly. And actually the uh, the main main protagonist is uh, is a is a young kid that has never basically seen the sky. Wow. Yeah. That sounds horrific. Yeah, it uh, so far it's very creepy and uh, it's it's a horror story basically. I think and there's also a video game about this uh, about this story as well. Oh, cool. Also called Metro 2033. Cool. Well, I haven't heard of the game or the book, but I think it sounds like something I would like to check out. Yeah, it's by uh, Dmitry Glukowski. Glu- How do you pronounce that? Glukowski. Glukowski. Narrated by Robert uh, Degas. Very good. Well, thank you, Jason and Jenny, for that recommendation. Yeah, my wife's here too now. Hello. <laughs> it's all right. Join, join the party. Why not? <laughs> If you want to get that book or any other free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash talking dead. That's audibletrial.com slash talking dead for your free audiobook. Listener feedback. All righty. So last week we were talking about Andrea getting into the prison or at least team prison sort of bringing her into the prison when she arrived there. Right, right. If you recall. And I was wondering what the opposite of an extraction mission is. Ooh, got an answer? Yes. So Matt from upstate New York emailed in and he said, you've been wondering what the opposite of an extraction is. My friend is an officer in the Air Air Force, and he said it's either an insertion or an infiltration. Right. Now, those words make sense to me. The only thing is, I think the perspective is wrong. And I I think there's probably no word for um, the perspective I'm thinking of here. I'm sort of thinking about Team Prison's... Uh, you know, mission to get Andrea into their compound. I can see an insertion or an infiltration being a team trying to get into an enemy compound or place an operative inside an enemy compound, maybe undercover. That would be an insertion or an infiltration. If <laughs> I don't know if there's a word for somebody is on the outside and you have to execute a mission to bring that person into your own like safe zone. You know what I mean? 
I think I, I don't, my brain keeps telling me that uh, insertion is the proper term. Insertion? Okay. Yeah. Well, it, it does make sense, I suppose. You're inserting person A into slot B. Yeah, I, I mean, ex- exertion? <laughs> is that a word? No, I don't think so. <laughs> All right. I don't know. Anyways, thank you, Matt, for clarifying that to some degree. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Mike from Seattle wrote in on Andrea's dilemma, and he says, Dudes, I am going to be disappointed if they drag the who, with whom does Andrea cast her lot dilemma out forever, like season two's how do we handle Randall conundrum. <laughs> right. I'm not sure if I'll weep or cheer when Andrea finally gets her just reward. She is so frustrating. So I think Mike may have been satisfied that she and almost nobody else was in this most recent episode. So <laughs> yeah. either that is a good thing for him or it's probably just making him more frustrating because they're just dragging it out even longer. I don't know. I don't know. But I think they're building up to something. Yeah, the thing about... I have to have faith. Me too. The thing about this is, if you recall in season two, it felt like they were looking for Sophia forever. And then the payoff for Sophia was pretty good. Yep. You know? And then when they were hanging around at the farm, Randall shows up. And yes, that did feel like it took a long time. But the payoff with uh, Shane, the Shane and Rick confrontation was really good. Yep. So... This show, even though sometimes it feels like they take a little while to get around to things, they are very good at setting stuff up and paying off, like, long con storylines. True. So whatever Andrea has up, you know, whatever they have up their sleeve with Andrea, it's probably going to pay off in a seriously awesome way. Yes, and I'm going to uh, maintain my level of hope that I don't normally have. (laughs) I'm worried worried that they're going to shit the bed, but... I have hope that they, they won't and the, the, that the payoff will be worth it in overall. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. I'm not too worried about them shitting the bed, but you never know. I mean, it has to happen at some point, or you would think it would. And they've, they're two for two so far with, uh, with long, good payoffs. So hopefully yep. season three makes them three for three. Excellent. Uh, all righty. Ryan from the Internet writes in, I love the moments shared between Michonne and Carl in this episode, especially the retrieval of the family picture and cat. It was a fun moment that showed how Michonne isn't just the crazy, awesome person we see her as. She has feelings, emotions, and a sense of humor. And she likes cats. And apparently she likes cats, so she's close to your heart. Yeah. Well, I wasn't a big fan of that uh, that, that weird paper mache <laughs> cat thing, but uh, yeah. Yeah, well, it, she got it as a joke, right? Like she picked it up to uh, to make a joke. Sure, but it might it's, it would be uh, it would be pleasant to a, a baby who who you know babies like bright colors and things that are flashy. So she's thinking about the baby. Babies love paper mache. Oh, absolutely! That's yeah. all they want to do. Yeah, they just want to uh, put it in their mouths and suck on it and turn it back into uh, glue and paper and stuff. Paste and newspaper. That's yeah. right. <laughs> so I, I think we're going to see this uh, this cat again sometime, either in the prison in Michonne's room or you know three seasons down the road. It's going to be in the back of a truck. It'll but, be impaled in the back of somebody's head at some point. Oh, I don't think she's going to use it as a weapon. I think it's something that she's going to keep to, to remind, remind herself that, uh, you know, life has its light side as well. I suppose. When you walk around with a sword and a paper mache cat, if you choose the cat as your weapon of choice, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, it's, it's, it's generally a mistake. Yeah. Uh, all righty. And the other thing so is... It, it, what's that? You'd be better off with a real cat 
I'll probably throw like, a real cat at a zombie. Yeah, Simpsons throwing cats at people. That's uh, I mean, they use rats. Why not cats? Absolutely. They're good for uh, bait. Yep. Uh, it was also nice, as Ryan says, that Michonne did have some lines, some feelings, some emotion in this episode. It's been a long time coming. It has. And it's good to see her, you know, that paying off, too. Yeah. Uh, Andy from Michigan writes... I was wondering what your take is on how close all of these places we have seen recently are from each other. Rick must have had a good idea how far or how close his hometown is from the prison. Did he know of that prison being in the area when he worked for the sheriff's department? Has he ever <laughs> has he ever heard of Woodbury? I try not to think too hard about it and just enjoy the show, but wanted to see what you guys thought. Um, what do you think, Jason? Suspension of disbelief here? Uh, I don't believe he knew about the prison. I think the prison was abandoned long before they found it. Uh, well, no, because we had uh, we had inmates. Yeah, so. there were inmates. It was a functioning prison. You would think somebody in law enforcement would know where the prison is. Now, all I can say is maybe, you know, they've moved a couple of counties over or something like that. And, you know, he was in Coeta County or whatever. And, and you know, he isn't aware of the the prison facility in the neighboring counties? I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to go with six hours drive. Six hours. See, that's a long time, though. You think you wouldn't? You think they'd go on a six-hour run back to that police station for guns? I mean, yeah. guns yes, are I important. Do. Yes, yeah, I believe they would go on a six-hour drive. They figure uh, they can get there and back in a day, so six hours of driving, uh, a couple of hours of milling about looking for guns, and then six hours back. Sure, it makes for a long day, but I think it uh, uh, it would be worth it. Now you, you also got to remember too; they're not driving at full freeway speed here. They got to, well, maybe not the whole time. Anyways, they probably have to take it slow as wrecks are on the road and stuff like that. So yeah. six hours might not be as far a distance as we think. Also, they're not dealing with any kind of traffic as well, That's so that true. might speed things up. You don't mm-hmm. have to stop for red lights. <laughs> no, there are no more of those stop yeah. signs. Screw it. Um, yeah, well. I don't that's, know. That's, that's just a guess. It puts it far enough away that it's not uh, something they can just zip back and forth to, but it puts it close enough that they figure they can do a run in a day and maybe a day in a little bit. Maybe they left, uh, you know, left the prison before first light. You know, they got in the car and started driving just as the sun was coming up. Yeah, maybe. Uh, six hours is pretty far to go there and back in a day. I think at this point we would have to assume they were on this run for more than a day. But, you know, right, six hours is probably a good estimate. I don't know what prisons are six hours away from here. In maybe I would if I was a cop, but I don't know. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's Kingston. I mean, Kingston has a big penitentiary. Yeah, uh, that's like also, two, three hours max from here. So Yeah, there's also one up in uh, near Timmins. Yeah, Which, and there was a big prison our, in uh, Lindsay, Ontario, too. Yeah. <laughs> All these places no one's ever heard of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, I all right. I, I think six hours is a good estimate. The only thing about that is it means that this run was multiple day, and they didn't really indicate that in the episode, but I guess they didn't have to. No, it was a bottle episode. It was, uh, you know, we came on board at the end of the six-hour drive, and we left just as they were starting their six-hour drive back. Yeah, I suppose. Um, I don't know if I'd want to drive in the night, though, so I might wait overnight with Crazy Morgan. Uh, yeah, that might be a good idea, too. Um, I, that, that, if it was a long drive, I, I might have spent the night with Morgan as well. Yeah, I think that would make sense. <clears throat> uh, help, him clear, help him clear some zombies. Why not? Yeah. Yep. 
Uh, finally here, Shannon from the internet writes in. This is related to sort of what we talked about after the recap with Rick and uh, Morgan's contrast. But she writes, I was fascinated by the contrast between the way Rick reacts to the backpacker versus the way he reacts to Morgan once he realizes who it is. I think the whole episode was meant to make Rick understand that he can't let himself go down that path that Morgan has, and he can't isolate himself by wandering crazy town and alienating everyone around him. Doing that will either lead to ending up like Morgan or ending up like that backpacker on the road, alone and crazy or alone and dead. Right. So it was, this was a whole eye-opener for, uh, for Rick that he's, you know, he's got to get it together. That's how it kind of fits into the greater story, I think, that yeah. he, he totally realizes now that he can't just walk around seeing things and ignoring everybody else. He's got to keep it together and, and do some leadering here. Yeah, and that's what I think. I think that if that backpacker was still alive and they, they were driving away, I think they would have picked him up. Yeah, the more, uh, the more I think about it, I think you may be right. All righty. Anything else before we move on? Nope, move on. All right. Here we go. Holy crap. Did you see that? All right. Uh, we are going to call, I mean, we're going to start with a call from Dave in Syracuse. Hey, guys. This is Dave calling from Syracuse, New York. And my holy crap, did you see that? Is when Rick is talking to Morgan, and Rick's kind of like standing in the corner. If you look behind him, it says on the wall, Zach has turned. Who the heck is Zach? I don't know. Maybe you guys know. Um, anyway, um, love the podcast. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you, Dave. So uh, you heard that, right, Jason? You can hear I the did clips? hear that, yes. Okay, good. Um, so that's good because we're going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Zach has turned. I think this is probably just one of the other random things written on the wall because there's no character or anyone that we know of called Zach, right? Uh, I don't think so, no. Yeah, so, uh, you know, maybe Zach is just somebody that Morgan met throughout his his time there in uh, Crazy Town, and uh, Zach didn't survive, so who knows? I don't know. There was a lot of stuff written on that wall that didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. So, uh, you never know. If we ever do get to see Morgan again, maybe we'll find out, but I fear that won't be for a long time. I fear that as well. All right, Mike from Cleveland sent in this call. Hi, guys. It's Mike from Cleveland, just calling with my holy crap moment, and that would be at the very end of the episode uh, when they were driving back um, to the prison and they saw the bloody remains of that poor hitchhiker guy, uh, or the hiker dude, um, just in a bloody mess on the side of the road. And then they stopped and get his backpack, so they wouldn't stop to pick up the poor guy who was begging for them to take him with them, but they stopped for the backpack. They're getting cold. They're getting hard and cold in this zombie apocalypse, I'm telling you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you, Casey Kasem. I mean, Mike. Don't you think that guy sounds like Casey Kasem? Uh, maybe <laughs> in a vague kind of alternate reality way. I hope that's not a, a not an insult. I think that guy, and I think we've talked about this the last time Mike uh, called in, which was a while ago. That he's got a he's got a good like old time radio voice. So, yeah. <laughs> Mike, I hope that's a compliment. I certainly I certainly intended as one. <laughs> well, maybe he should call back and talk about uh, this week's top forty. Yeah, that would we'll be just, a really good idea. We'll just see. Actually, we're looking for a new voiceover guy, so uh, let's see. (laughs) 
Um, thank you, Mike. Now, a whole bunch of people wrote in and called in with that choice, um, the backpack pickup, basically. Matt from Austin sent this in, and he makes an interesting point just about the same thing. He said, uh, I wonder if they would have picked him up on the way back if he'd been alive. We've, we've speculated that he would. Um, seeing them back up and pick up the pack made me feel sick. They're not the good guys anymore. They just happen to be a little less bad than the bad guys. That's true. Which is pretty true. However, I think, you know, if they had picked him up on the way back and he was still alive, it would have been a whole different scenario, right? True. Would have been, uh, would have been a little bit more, you know, uh, good guy behavior rather than bad, by, bad guy behavior. Right. Uh, Carl from Birmingham, friend of the show, Carl, uh, called in now, apologize, the quality of his call isn't amazing, but give the guy a break, he's calling from all the way across the Atlantic Ocean, so uh, hopefully you can understand this. Hi guys, it's uh, Carl, uh, just throwing in a quick, holy crap, did you see that for uh, I know Judas? Um, for me, uh, it was the moment uh, Tyrese, uh, having just uh, sort of hammered that zombie in the face, uh, the look on him and his crew's face when they turned and saw uh, Andrea um, and, uh, what's his name, Milton, and uh, the zombie with the manhunter around his neck, uh, the man catcher, um, I just thought that look was absolutely priceless. Um, that's not something you expect to see every day. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was my moment. All right, I'll catch you guys later. Bye-bye. Cool, thanks. Carl, that's obviously from uh, last week's episode, I Ain't a Judas. Um, and the thing I, that struck me about that is, uh, obviously Tyrese and everyone has been wandering around for a long time out here in the zombie apocalypse, but they, it seems like they, like, you know, stumble upon this prison and everything that's sort of weird that they haven't seen before starts happening. <laughs> yeah, you know, but... they walk in, they meet a bunch of people who all seem nice and then their crazy nut job leader shows up and starts yelling and telling them to get out, but not really. And then they yeah. leave and they're wandering through the prison, I mean, through the forest and two people show up and they're capturing a zombie and putting him on a stick. And that's weird. And then they go back to this town where everything seems great and they meet the leader there who seems like a really great guy. And he's, yeah. but, he, but he has an eye patch. So, I mean, I just think, you know, Tyrese and them must be wandering around going, what the hell's going on? We thought we thought things were weird enough, and now all of a sudden we got all this. So yeah, zombies are weird. People are weirder, way weirder. Uh, but thank you, Carl, for sending that one in. Uh, Sean from Vancouver wrote in, says, "My moment of the week is Michonne's over the head backward zombie stab. Too cool. Uh, this was a cool one. Did you notice that? Uh, I, did, I did that bit. It was pretty good. Tyler from the UK writes." Um, when Rick, is, when Rick is standing next to Morgan, who's still unconscious on his bed, he says, I'm sorry this happened to you. This is the same line and the exact same delivery that Rick gave in the pilot episode to, the, to a bicycle girl who he killed out of pity. Yeah. I didn't notice that when it, was, when it was on, but that's very cool. It was a cool callback. Yeah, I didn't notice that either. That's uh, great. Uh, Kristen, they seem to be doing that a lot, you know, calling back to season one, not just because Morgan was there, but like you know, lines like that. And, uh, there was something last week too, which I can't remember now, but, uh, um, oh, when, um, when, uh, uh, Daryl was, or when Daryl was saying, you know, he's Korean and, and, uh, Merle says, whatever, after he called him Chinese, that was the same thing as from, from the beginning of season one too. Yeah. So they seem to be doing a lot, that a lot, which is cool. Kristen from Northern California writes, my holy crap, did you see that moment, uh, was when they lifted the welcome mat and saw the booby trap, 
and the moment when Michonne and Rick talked about seeing things and how she talked to her dead boyfriend. Yep. So very cool there. Um, did you get a good look at what was under that welcome mat? I couldn't really tell. Uh, no, I didn't get a good look, but I assumed it was some kind of nuclear bomb. Of, uh, <laughs> I just assumed. That's right. You, you, you walk up to the front door. You get through all those zombie traps outside. You don't get shot by anybody on the roof. Yeah. You walk up the stairs. You step over the trip line. You step on a welcome mat, and a nuke explodes. Well, you see, my problem is I'm rewatching Jericho, and uh, <laughs> Lenny James's character in Jericho actually has a nuclear device buried oh. uh, in, in underneath the floor someplace. So uh, my brain just went uh, nuclear bomb. Okay, must be nuke. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Shannon from the Internet writes, Rick smiled at the end. I think this might be the first smile we've gotten from him all season. Really? Yeah, good point. Um, Chris from the UK says the axe that lies in wait for people who pass through Morgan's not shitting you curtain. <laughs> it has the words told you written on it. Love the detail. <laughs> Does it really? Yeah, apparently a couple oh, people. That's fantastic. A couple people sent that in. I just like a not shitting you curtain. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone needs a not shitting you curtain. I'm making one uh, right after this podcast. Very good. Cindy from the internet writes, Michonne told told Carl to stay, and Carl stayed. Also, the oh knife God. went into Rick, yikes. <laughs> Carl actually stayed somewhere. That must not have been his mother. Uh, yes, not, yeah, not <laughs> his mother. Uh, let's see. Ryan from the Internet writes, My holy crap, did you see that? Was when Michonne stuck her katana right in the head of the walker that grabbed Carl not even a second after he grabbed him. So that was the walker behind the bar when he was standing up getting the picture off the wall. Yeah. Hey, you know what? We didn't mention that the picture, when, when Michonne did go back and get it, it was a picture of the Grimes family in happier times. Yes. Uh, what it was doing up on the wall of the cafe, I don't know, but maybe it's because he was a local policeman and he went there for lunch a lot. That's what I figure. Well, I mean, you, what, you've never been to a pub where, they, uh, where you stay for whatever events, get to know the staff, and they take a picture and they put it up someplace? Well, I personally don't have any pictures up on pub walls, but I'm sure you do throughout northern Ontario. No, I just 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 one. That's because we knew the owners. And, okay. uh, you know, we went to their Christmas party kind of thing. Is it still there? Can we go see it? Uh, I don't believe so. No, it's been uh, it was pinned to a board, so I'm sure it's been uh, removed and pinned with uh, better pictures many times over. Since. Oh, so no uh, no podcast road trip to see your picture in a bar. Uh, no. All right. Well, you're going to, uh, you know, Danforth and Christie. It's not that much of a road trip. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was up somewhere in where in Sault Ste. Marie, where you're from. No, no. Bars close and open up under new management up there far too often for that to happen. <laughs> right. Got it. Okay. Uh, Will from Sacramento writes, and this is from last week's episode. He says, when Daryl slams the trunk down on the Walker head, I'm all for gore, but wow, that was a doozy was he also wanted a shout out for his six-month-old daughter georgia he figures she is our youngest listener and he may be right about that i will try and keep the swearing down yeah sorry georgia and will (laughs) uh finally jason in washington writes and this is from Ianda judas too in woodbury did you see the governor's men unloading that 50 or that five ton military truck it looks like they were unloading a 50 caliber machine gun and mortar set holy crap it's going to be on. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was pretty intimidating. I didn't really notice the heavy artillery there, but, you know, that's... Oh, some... it was the 50 cal. I noticed the 50 cal coming out of the back of that deuce and a half. 
<laughs> you got all the lingo, man. Um, yeah, I didn't. I I didn't really notice, but yes, he's right. Uh, things are going to get crazy if they pull up to you know the prison with one of those bad boys and start opening fire. That'll do a lot of damage, won't it? Uh, yeah, it's actually meant for uh, shooting equipment. It's actually against. A, I believe it's against the Geneva Convention to use a fifty caliber weapon against a person. Well, because it, it just tears you apart, right? Yeah, it's just it's too much damage. Jeez. All right. Well, that's some serious, serious weaponage. And uh, who knows what's going to happen with that. So I have a holy crap uh, this week. I don't know if you do. Uh, But mine, I will say, is that right at the end of this episode, when Michonne and Rick are standing behind the car chatting, she walks up with a bunch of bags and she starts putting them in the car. And one of the things she has strapped to her back, did you notice what was there in addition to her katana? Did not. Crossbow. Oh, yes, I did notice that. Yeah, so uh, it, it didn't look like Daryl's crossbow, and why would Daryl give his crossbow to her? No, he... this, was a, this was a find. It was, uh, it was loaded down with uh, crossbow bolts as well, so this was something she picked up. Yeah, and it looked to be in really sort of new, good condition, too. So, you know, Daryl's has seen some action, but this one looked to be fresh. You're right, it had arrows, uh, uh, bolts, excuse me, um, attached to it, and it... it I don't know if crossbows have this, but it looked like it had some sort of little flip-up aiming device, aiming sight. Is that a thing? Uh, well, I don't see why not. Okay. Well, it looked like there was something on there for, you know, precision precision firing. Yeah. And uh, anyways, I thought it was really cool. They're introducing another crossbow into the mix. Hopefully we get to see it again in, in use, and it's not just, you know, something they threw in there for the fun of it. Because um, I, I do like the crossbow kills. Those are fun to watch. I think this is a present for Daryl. I think Daryl's going to get a new crossbow. I don't think we're going to get another crossbow for somebody else. I think Daryl's oh. going to get a new crossbow. Oh, I like that idea. That's really good. You were saying a couple episodes that, what were you saying about his weapon? It, it, no matter what happens, it always goes to him? Oh, yeah, it's that uh, magical power, like uh, Indiana Jones hat. Right, 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 right. So he can replace his magic crossbow with a new magic crossbow. That's okay, right? Or he might take the bolts and say, I don't want this thing, and throw it away. Or, but... Uh... I, I don't know, but I, I don't think we're going to... I think it would be uh, against, against the show's best interest to have two people with crossbows. You're right. It does dilute the crossbow killing a little bit too much. Yeah. <laughs> so the only explanation I can have for the crossbow is that it's a present for Daryl. Cool, I like it. Uh, the other thing I noticed about this scene, and I hesitate to bring this up because it's really of no importance, but she's she's loading the stuff in the back of the car. She puts all the bags in. Um, the crossbow's on her back. We cut to a wide shot, crossbow's not on her back, and she's closing the trunk to walk around and get in the car. So right. it just kind of disappeared in the scene, but whatever. She put it in, and they're going to drive back. Ah, maybe she dropped it, and we'll never see it again. <laughs> that's right. She dropped it, backed over it, and that's it. No more crossbow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have a holy crap moment for this week? You know, it's only a little one, but I thought it was, uh, it was very interesting. I'm not sure if it was meant to be in the show or it was just a, uh, you know, a matter of a uh, practical effect. But when, uh, when they first got stuck and all the zombies crowded around the car and Rick said, cover your ears and put his, uh, you know, the barrel of his gun out the window, and, and then they, another camera angle was outside of the car and Rick pulled the trigger and just blew the back of that guy's head off, just the, the flap of skin that came flying out when he uh, pulled the trigger. Yep. Probably just, you know, the thing that was covering the squib, but uh, it looked really gross and it was just very flappy, and I thought that was, uh, that was pretty cool. It did. I thought it looked really good, too. It was a nice sort of gore shot. Um, I, I think the attention to detail there with him saying cover your ears 
is yeah. very cool actually they've you know there've been lots of scenes in this uh in this show where they've been in situations where they're shooting which would totally deafen you right yeah and here's one time where um where they actually sort of addressed that and uh you know everyone covered their ears he took that shot and you know i don't know if that would help for the deafening noise but maybe a little bit well it couldn't hurt yeah it couldn't hurt exactly so i like that attention to detail i think that was pretty cool yeah for sure uh, all right, that's cool. That's going to wrap us up for this week. If you would like to give us a call, now we had some trouble with the Zomb line overnight. Um, anyone who's been listening recently knows that uh, there are a lot of people out there who confuse this podcast with the AMC show of the of a similar name called Talking Dead. Yeah. Um, we did have a lot of people call in last night, even though the lines were closed, uh, and uh, it took our or it took the Zomb line down for a while, and I didn't know it until until today. So if you tried to call us overnight at all, you would have got a message about our mailbox being full, which isn't exactly what happened, but that's the message that came up. Um, so apologize, apologies for that in case you tried to, but everything should be good now. So you know, after you hear this, if you want to call in and leave us a message, you are welcome to do so. The number to do that at is 1-866-483-ZOMB. That's 866-483-9662. Hopefully that line will uh, stay available for the foreseeable future at this point. And uh, if you know anyone who is confusing us with the AMC show, tell them to smarten up. (laughs) That's all I I have to say about that. Come on, people. Uh, And there you go. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead. Or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the talking dead. We passed 9,500 likes today. That uh, is absolutely phenomenal. And we are going to, well, it seems like we're going to hit 10,000 well before I anticipated it actually happening. So awesome. uh, very, very cool. Thank you to everyone who goes to our page and likes it and participates there and tells their friends. Yeah. <laughs> Most importantly. <laughs> Um, you can also send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. And one more thing I haven't mentioned in a long time, but I thought I'd bring it up here again, is that what would really, really help us if you you know want to throw two cents in is go over to iTunes, find us in the iTunes store, and leave us a review, preferably a five-star review, but I will take any review as long as, uh, as long as you're honest about it. We do love to hear from people, and that's one way you can do it. It's good, too, because... It gets uh, it gets iTunes to notice us. The more reviews there are, there are there, and you know it might means they might feature us or put us in uh, you know a prominent position on the iTunes store uh, for a while or something like that. So I encourage people to do that if you want to, and uh, I would really really appreciate it. Just like I know you would too, Jay. Yeah. Do you think uh, Do you think we should uh, bring back that? Uh, remember, we used to read the five star reviews. We did, yeah, and I think we should bring that back. So, sure. do you want to let's start that next week, maybe? Okay. Um, you know, any new reviews that come into the store, uh, five star, we'll read. We appreciate all reviews, like I said, but if you leave us a five star review with a comment, um, we'll do our best to read it here on the show. Yeah, on yeah. the, uh, I'll check the U.S. and Canadian stores. I mean, I know there's a lot of stores out there. I don't know if I can check them all, but uh, I'll do my best to check. Uh, you know, a few of the stores around the world. Cool. That would be very, very good. So appreciate anyone that's, that would like to do that. And uh, I bring it up because I noticed um, a listener pointed out earlier this week that we were in the, uh, 
what is it they what do they call it featured and important or something not not important <laughs> uh, <laughs> whatever it was we were sort of we were in the film and tv section under new and noteworthy or something like that not that we're new but i suppose we're noteworthy well that's why they named that section like that so they can put whatever they want there yeah i guess so we were in there and i was uh, very very happy about that so yeah um so uh i thought i'd remind people and just ask you to head over and leave us uh reviews because that would be fan freaking tastic yep uh all right everybody thanks so much for tuning in we will be back next week of course um when we recap the next episode of the walking den den the walking den did i say den (laughs) (laughs) i don't know yeah the walking dead that's what we talk about here um until then my name is chris my name is jason thanks for listening everybody ciao So give me a second to uh, try and empty my sinuses as much as I can. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Are you laughing at me? I'm so putting that at the end of the podcast. Oh, yeah, lovely.